0: It's the Media buzz meter with Howard Kurtz. I've got to be honest, I've been sort of dreading this day, knowing that the country would have to relive the terrible trauma of 9-11, knowing that today would be the day when every TV program, every website would be doing the deep dives, the remembrances, the tributes. I mean, it was a day of horror and heroism. I will have a lot more to say about this 20th anniversary, which of course is tomorrow, September 11th, 2021. A little later in the podcast, I have a whole column about it today on foxnews.com. If you're inclined to take a look, we're going to devote a substantial amount of time on Sunday's Media Buzz to this very issue, as well as what I'm about to talk about. Um, Ari Fleischer, who was White House Press Secretary on the day of 9-11, be among my guests, as well as the uh, brilliant and controversial writer Andrew Sullivan. Uh, So it's going to be a hell of a program. Let's talk about vaccines because I think just about everyone in the press was kind of stunned that Joe Biden went as far as he did yesterday in this speech. It must have been an important speech because it was billed to start at 5 o'clock Eastern, and it actually started at 5.01. Usually Biden's like 45 minutes late, hour and a half late. Um, and he, he outlined the whole series of steps that said to me, I mean, to me, the takeaway was, he's fed up. Uh, many of the people who voted for him are fed up. Uh, many of the Americans who are vaccinated are fed up. But I got to say right up front, I don't know that he has the power, the authority, the constitutional influence to do the steps that he's outlined. I'm not talking here about, you know, encouraging schools to do testing and all that kind of stuff, global summit. You know, what's that going to do? Talking about the vaccine mandates. And I want to be very fair about this because there are people who feel strongly about it on both sides. My own view is, you know, there's growing, growing anger uh, among the majority in this country of who've gotten fully vaccinated and who want this pandemic to be over. And yet the Delta variant... Uh, It continues to ruin everybody's summer. Uh, It has taken a real toll on the Biden presidency. You know, he had his sort of mission accomplished moment, 4th of July when he gave that speech. You know, we can all go back to having fun and cookouts and all that. And since then, a lot more people have died, have gotten COVID-19. And so from the speech yesterday president says, this is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about, the people you love. And he said, my job as president is to protect all Americans. Later in the speech, he said, we've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. Well, first of all, I mean, the president is partially wrong. It is about freedom and personal choice. Wherever you come down on this, even if you believe that It's the patriotic duty of every American to go get these shots. There's still a debate here about whether they should be forced to do so. And there's also the question of why did Biden flip? Because he's on record. He said it in December. Before taking office, he said, I'm opposed to vaccine mandates. Now, I suppose his explanation, White House explanation would be, yeah, but our efforts of persuasion have hit a wall. Uh, we developed these incredible life-saving vaccines. Obviously, that began with President Trump and Operation Warp Speed. And uh, you know everybody who wanted it got it eventually. And we were able to persuade through all the, you know, the free beer and the free pot and the free lottery tickets. Um, lots more people to get it, but now we still have 75 to 80 million Americans who for whatever reason are hesitant, haven't gotten around to it, Are totally opposed to it whatever their reasons might be persuasion has failed it's just we've just literally hit a wall and so now Biden is proposing as you probably know to do the following require all federal workers not just people at the Pentagon not just people at the VA all federal workers to get vaccinated or face penalties also to try to uh, force private companies any company With more than 100 employees. So the really small businesses, the mom and pop outfits are exempt uh, to force them to either make their employees get these vaccines or force them to do weekly tests. And as the president pointed out, you know, a lot of major airlines, he went through the whole list, a lot of major companies are already requiring vaccines. And then he said, even Fox News. And that sort of annoyed me. First of all, Fox is requiring employees to uh, provide their vaccination status and also to have weekly tests if they're going to be in a, a group setting in an office or bureau. Um, and, and, but the, the, the notion of even Fox News suggests that, well, Fox News, of course, is opposed to vaccines, but look what they're doing for their own employees. And as I've said before, you know, many, many people at Fox News, including me, including Hannity, including Steve Ducey, some people from the conservative side. Uh, we had John Roberts and uh, Harris Faulkner do PSAs, get vaccinated. It's the right thing to do. Fox News doesn't have this position. There are certain opinion hosts at Fox News who have expressed skepticism or don't like mandates. You know, you can be pro-vaccine and not agree that people should be forced to do this. Anyway... He throws in Fox News, like maybe to appeal to people who watch Fox. I don't know. Um, but the predictable um, partisan reaction has been, you know, if you tend to be on the right and pro-Trump, you hate the idea of Biden— uh, possibly exceeding his power and try to do this. And if you are on the liberal side and pro-Biden, you say, of course, the president has a responsibility to save people's lives. I mean, there is no question. Uh, Sure, it's personal freedom. There is no question. If everyone in America was forced to get these vaccines, leaving aside legal and the moral questions, fewer people would die. We see that from... Uh, The people who, you know, know, radio talk shows and others who crusaded against vaccines and ended up dying. Some of them, once they got COVID, um, changed their minds and said, I was wrong. I should have done this. My family thinks I should have done this. So that's the moral dilemma that we face right now. Um, New York Times has a piece looking at the impact on the economy, saying Biden making this aggressive move. And by the way, some of these companies and CEOs are actually happy about this because they want their people to be vaccinated. But Biden's giving them cover, political cover. Well, we have we have no choice now. We have to require that you be vaccinated, and they don't have to take the heat themselves. Uh, Delta's rise has been fueled in part by the inability of Biden and his administration to persuade millions of vaccine refusing Americans says the Times, to inoculate themselves against the virus. That's created another problem, a drag on the economic recovery. Real-time gauges of restaurant visits, airline travel, and other services show consumers pulled back on some face-to-face spending in recent weeks. So even if you're vaccinated and you're feeling pretty good about it, do you want to take the risk of getting, you know, it's rare. I have to say this over and over again. It's very rare to get one of these breakthrough infections if you are fully vaccinated. And if you do get it, the chances are absolutely overwhelming that, you know, it's no fun. I've seen people who've gotten it say, you know, it's like the worst cold you ever had, the symptoms are no fun. But you don't wind up in the hospital and you don't wind up dead. But nevertheless, you know, we we don't want the vaccinated people to get these breakthrough infections because then they could pass it on to others who are not vaccinated. And then there are the question of kids particularly kids under 12 who aren't eligible for the vaccine. That might change in the coming weeks. I hope that it does. Um, so the Times points out the president's approval ratings are going down. The explosion of new cases and deaths appears to have deterred many would-be workers from accepting open jobs in businesses across the country, according to economists. Uh, businesses and consumers are complaining about a labor shortage. So it's kind of amazing. The unemployment rate is just over 5%, which is historically a great number. Uh, but you still have a lot of people at work, and you have a lot of businesses that can't find people with the right skills. Uh, all of that is a crisis, a continuing healthcare and economic crisis for the country. Uh, Biden's inability uh, to break through vaccine hesitancy, particularly in conservative areas, has also become a psychological spending drag on those in highly vaccinated areas because they're pulling back on travel, dining out and other uh, things like that. All right, Washington Post story says that, talks about the pushback. By the way, some Republican governors say they're gonna sue. So this is all gonna wind up in court. And I I have no problem with that because it probably should wind up in court. Um, Other, you know, advocacy groups may sue. Does Biden have the authority to do this? And the point I was gonna make earlier is, if you support a president politically, let's say, oh, I don't know, Donald Trump, and he does things that seem to exceed his legal authority. Without approval from Congress, he's going to take these billions of dollars uh, that the Hill approved for other reasons, and he's going to put it into building the wall because he wants the wall. So if you want a border wall and you like Trump, you say, of course Trump should have the power to do this. And lots of other executive orders where he was pushing the limits of executive authority. Now, If you like Joe Biden and you happen to agree with this goal, you say, of course, Biden should have the power to do this. But if you are on the opposite side of the political debate, you say, of course, this is an outrage for Biden to do this, just as you might have criticized Trump for doing things that you didn't like. This is the hypocrisy of modern day politics. Anyway, um, this Washington Post story says that, you know, there's been a mix of support and criticism from companies, employers, corporate advocacy groups, Uh, companies that ignore the Biden policy could face penalties of up to $14,000 for each violation, according to a senior administration official. Also, companies will be required to give workers paid time off to get the vaccine. I have no problem with that. Um, McDonald's, Delta Airlines, Tyson Foods have already moved to mandate vaccination or regular testing. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which usually opposes a lot of what a Democratic administration wants to do, put out what was described here as a muted statement that did not flag immediate opposition to the mandates. What that says to me is Chamber of Commerce actually wants this, doesn't necessarily want to take the heat from its members by embracing it. So it puts out a, you know, we are deeply concerned kind of statement, uh, but doesn't come out against the Biden policy outright. All right, let's go to the other side. National Review does not like this at all and makes this interesting point. And it's an issue that I've talked about in terms of the evictions. Just weeks after his deserved rebuke by the Supreme Court over his eviction moratorium, Biden has once again gone too far. The magazine says the issue here is not what outcomes we may prefer, but what authority Biden has as president. as chief executive, uh, NR, says it's one thing for Biden to require vaccination for federal workers. And by the way, I don't know why he exempted U.S. Postal Service. I don't know if that's political. Uh, if their status is different, but it seems to me to be a misstep. If this is so important, why wouldn't the people who deliver the mail want to be, why wouldn't we want them to have that protection? Um, and National Review says, okay, he may even have authority over private companies that are hired as federal contractors, but Biden's proposal goes way beyond that by ordering all private businesses, over 100 workers to require vaccinations or weekly negative tests for all their workers, and, um, That could affect 80 million private employees. And National Review points out in December, Biden said of vaccinations, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory. Well, that was then. This is now National Review. We hope the Supreme Court will be just as incredulous when it comes to Biden's latest overreach because that's what happened is that, um, and by the way, I, I just saw another story about how is it that Congress passed $46 billion to help renters keep their homes and apartments, and most of it remains unspent, forcing the uh, eviction moratorium from the feds, which maybe in the beginning was a good idea, but you can't do it forever. And Biden said, I can't do this. And then he flipped because he got so much pressure from the left wing of the Democratic Party that he did it. And then predictably, SCOTUS knocked it down. So the National Review is drawing that parallel Here's Robbie Suave of Reason Magazine, a guy who's been on my show uh, a few times, writing on the New York Times op-ed page. Uh, He's not anti-vaccine, but he says the following. President should not, and likely does not, have the power to unilaterally compel millions of private sector workers to get vaccinated or risk losing their jobs. Biden is presiding over a vast expansion of federal authority, one that Democrats will certainly come to regret, the next time a Republican takes power. Well, they already regretted it when Trump was in office, and they will regret it with the next Republican president, just as Republicans are regretting it now. More and more modern-day presidents are testing the limits of their authority in ways that the founders could never have imagined. And more and more, the Supreme Court, as in the Texas abortion case, and I'll get to that later, It's almost like the nine unelected justices get to decide everything in America. So, uh, Suave says in this piece uh, that this is using labor and OSHA to enforce this, fundamentally undemocratic. Congress is supposed to make the laws, not an unaccountable bureaucratic agency. Now, um, he goes into, well, like some of the people who aren't getting vaccines may have already had COVID and they don't feel they need it. They feel like they have the antibodies. The most anti-vaccine Americans, those who are adamantly refusing the jab, because of a misguided belief that it's dangerous, will probably not change their minds because the government is strong arming employers. On the contrary, he says, federal mandate might actually be taken as confirmation that their paranoid suspicions that the vaccines have less to do with health and more to do with social control. Well, I don't Agree that this is about social control, but I do understand if you feel like this is just another way of, you know, incredibly oppressive and abusive uh, federal power trying to tell you what to do, and then the government tries to make it a a legal policy to tell you what to do, you say, see, I knew it all along. This is why I resisted it. So he makes a point that I haven't really seen elsewhere. Don't go anywhere. More Meter coming your way in just a moment. All right, let's move along now. Merrick Garland gave a televised speech yesterday in which he announced that the Biden administration is suing Texas over that uh, abortion law that essentially tries to ban abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. And remember, it got around um, the usual knockdown by the Supreme Court by saying, oh, government officials aren't going to enforce this. Any private citizen can sue the clinics, the doctors, the counselors, and get a $10,000 reward if you win. So uh, Garland said that this news conference, he took some questions, says this ban is clearly unconstitutional under the longstanding Supreme Court precedent. Uh, this kind of scheme to nullify the Constitution is one that all Americans, whatever their politics or party, should fear, he said. Uh, Governor Abbott, Greg Abbott in Texas, defended the law, accused the Biden administration of acting for political reasons to distract Americans from Afghanistan. And problems at the border. I don't know. I don't have any problem with Governor Abbott, you know, pushing back and saying I'm going to defend this law. But to say that the Biden administration is doing this for distraction when he's the one who ignited this national furor by pushing through this law, I don't know, seems to me a a little bit off. Uh, So Garland and DOJ are arguing that the Texas law violates the 14th Amendment's Due Process Clause. By depriving women in Texas the right of an abortion, which is legal, and imposing an undue burden on them, um, I have to say, Merrick Garland may have had the the temperament of a Supreme Court justice. That's what Barack Obama wanted to make him, as everybody knows. Uh, but when he when he speaks on policy, I mean, it's like reading a legal decision. He just is not a very inspiring speaker, and that's uh, a drawback when you're attorney general. I mean leaving aside, you know, whether you agree with him politically or not, um, he can kind of put you to sleep. But I know he's going to get a lot of support from the left. Obviously, he's not doing this uh, without President Biden's approval. Uh, let me touch on Donald Trump uh, and the California recall. You know, I've talked a lot about that recall next Tuesday. Uh, latest polls show that Governor Gavin Newsom will probably keep his job. Trump told Newsmax that the effort to recall Newsom is probably rigged which is pretty interesting since the vote, I know there's been mail-in ballots, obviously, but the vote hasn't actually taken place yet. So Politico has a piece saying Republican figures are simultaneously telling voters that Newsom's defeat is inevitable, Larry Elder, of course, being the leading Republican candidate and would replace him if he doesn't get a majority, and cautioning Democrats will try to manipulate the outcome. Political calls this a combustible uh, combination. Um, Larry Elder he also did this in my interview with him on Media Buzz last week uh, who first said Biden won fair and square then he said Biden didn't win fair and square and I pressed him on that he's talking about a tainted recall election he says he's already uh, got lawyers working on this uh, he's, his followers support uh, report suspicious activity and he's ready to file a lawsuit so talk about everything ending up in court the California recall could end up there as well And I did want to mention in terms of the war, this horrifying, maybe you've seen these pictures, two Afghan journalists were badly beaten in police custody. Why? What was their crime? They covered a protest by women in Kabul, a protest that the Taliban doesn't want. And there were photos that were shown to Reuters, and Reuters is reporting on this, showing how bad the welts are on their body, beaten with a cable. And uh, Taliban spokesman said, oh, we'll look into this, We'll, we'll take a look. This sends a message, obviously, in Afghanistan that, there, that independent f- free press basically doesn't exist, that female journalists are particularly vulnerable. Um, uh, the founder of this newspaper, uh, who shared the images on social media, said five colleagues were kept at a detention center for more than four hours. And during those four hours, two of our colleagues were beaten and tortured brutally, he said to Reuters. All right, let me turn now to the 20th anniversary. Um, you know, I guess you have a whole generation that has grown up since September 11th, 2001 that, you know, obviously knows about the attacks, but doesn't really know the horror of it, the details of it. And I think it's really important. I'm not a big fan of anniversary stories but when it's something of this magnitude. It is important for the media to do what they are doing today and remind us of what happened. And it is a day that changed this country forever. Forever. Absolutely forever. Uh, Fox News poll: sixty-four percent say it permanently changed the country, um, compared to fifty percent in early June who said the pandemic has permanently changed the country. So, um, what I remember is, I mean, it's. I happened to be on a treadmill in a gym, and the Today Show was on, and suddenly there was, you know, they interrupt everything. Matt Lauer and Katie Couric, and this footage, and there's a report of a plane. Hitting the World Trade Center. And of course, my thought was, what a horrible accident. How could, you know, in broad daylight, a plane have done that? It, I couldn't really grasp until more details came in. And then, of course, the second plane hitting one of the towers that this was a terrorist attack. It wasn't within, you know, it wasn't something that, despite, you know, the what we later learned was the classified cable that went to President Bush, Bin Laden determined to strike in America, something we were completely and totally unprepared for. And it shook us, I mean, just the sheer magnitude of death, of course. And it wasn't just the World Trade Center. It was the plane that hit the Pentagon. It was the other plane in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where passengers bravely stormed the cockpit. But, you know, we always had this sense of invulnerability because we're protected by oceans. Obviously, there have been other terrorist attacks. The first uh, bombing at the World Trade Center in the basement parking garage and others. But for, for sheer evil and terror on this scale. And it also gave rise to what we're hearing a lot about today in the media is the incredible bravery of the firemen and other first responders who went toward the tower to try to help people did save some lives, but many of those first responders lost their lives. So there is that shock. And what I also remember so vividly was George W. Bush going to Ground Zero, surrounded by that wreckage, which was there a long time, uh, many months. It even became like people would visit New York and they would go to see the wreckage to remember what happened, picking up that megaphone and saying that the people who did this will pay. We will find you and we will hunt you down and all the rhetoric that he used. And there was this incredible moment, period, really, of national unity. The whole country, whether you voted for George Bush or not, was behind him in our anger, frustration, fury, uh, the sense of helplessness, uh, the sense of of desire for revenge against Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda. That would, of course, take 10 years and led to the 20-year war in Afghanistan. But you didn't... For the most part, you didn't have liberals going on TV and Democrats going to the floor of Congress and saying, this is all Bush's fault, it's terrible. Sure, there was calls to investigate it. There was a 9-11 commission because we were unprepared. But Bush had been president for uh, about eight months. So obviously, the degree of lack of preparation spawned more than one spanned more than one administration. But then and there's no getting around this, that period of national unity gave way to a period of intense polarization that has gotten worse and worse and worse to this day. So I think about the Patriot Act and the huge debate about civil liberties, uh, later revelations about surveillance of Americans uh, caught up by the National Security Agency. Was this going too far? Now, remember, there was a period of time when, when Bush would say, resume your normal lives, go shopping. There's nothing to be afraid of. If we all act afraid, the terrorists have won. That became the catchphrase. But there were, you know, serious questions that were debated in the media that became more and more and more polarizing over uh, the anti-terror tactics, such as waterboarding. John McCain came out and said this was terror. Uh, He had been tortured as a POW in Vietnam. So he led that side of the debate with his unique status at that time. The Patriot Act, anti-terror tactics, um, the use of Gitmo. President Obama wanted to shut it down. That never happened. The horrible conduct, misconduct by American servicemen at Abu Ghraib, Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq where those Iraqi prisoners were taunted and sleep-deprived and all of that. And, of course, the reason we were in Iraq was also an outgrowth of 9-11. It turns out Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass destruction, nothing to do with September 11th. But the Bush administration, and the build-up to war that many news organizations later regretted not being more skeptical about, including the New York Times, including the Washington Post, which I wrote about extensively, including ostensibly liberal magazines, uh, all got caught up in the fervor in the post-9-11 climate. And that led to uh, all of the pain and sacrifice of the Iraq War. So now America was in two wars at once. Um, And the more I think about it now, you just have, and by the way, there are many, many reasons for the polarization of American society, uh, the decline of political parties, for example, the rise of social media, um, the way in which cable news networks, and whenever I write about this, I don't exempt any cable news network. Those on those that lean right, those that lean left, you know, need to kind of fire up their base. Uh, and so, you know, we saw this during the Trump presidency, certainly, uh, and that was a two-way battle with Donald Trump constantly denouncing what he called fake news, enemy the people, and all these news organizations just by the end of his presidency being completely in all-out opposition to him, not even really pretending to have any balance. And then we saw some of the opposite lining up when Joe Biden became president, except for the period of the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, which brings us to the 20th anniversary. And many people, 77% in one poll, wanted out of Afghanistan because our original purpose in going there was to shut down al-Qaeda, topple the Taliban, and get, and reduce the terrorist threat from the country that had harbored Osama bin Laden. And that turned into, you know, Trillions of dollars spent on propping up a corrupt Afghan government, training a military that turned out to be useless, nation-building, the phrase that everybody hates. That's what happened. What happened in Iraq as well until we finally got out of that country. So, of course, there needs to be healthy, vigorous, even fierce debate about these war and peace matters about the U.S. military, the limits of military power, how long we should stay in these countries, should we be involved in these foreign civil wars, uh, which is what they are, in nations that have been wracked by tribal warfare seemingly forever. Um, Should Trump be held accountable, in part for what happened in Afghanistan when he let the 5,000 Taliban prisoners go? Should Biden be held accountable? And the answer on these is yes not for the decision to get out, but for the way he got out, for not doing, for miscalculating about getting Americans out. Uh, there are still lots of Americans that need to get out, tens of thousands of Afghan allies that need to get out of Afghanistan. But to me, the sad coda to all this, on this day and tomorrow's uh, ceremonies, when we remember the national trauma of 9-11, And the sense of unity that came out of it is that we've lost that sense of unity. You know, I talk about this all the time. People say, you got to take sides. Why don't you uh, be on one side or the other? Well, one reason is that I'm a journalist. And I believe in fairness, and I believe in balance. And I also don't think it's good for the country that we all demonize the other side. Disagree, go at it. That's part of a vibrant democracy. But whether it's vaccines or war or terrorism. If one side says everything that the Democratic president has done is terrible and the other supports him, if one side says everything that a Republican president does is terrible and the other side rewards that, if the media play into and fuel and reflect that polarization, I don't think on that score, you can say the country is a better place. Uh, We've learned some important lessons from 9-11. The fact that there hasn't been a major terrorist attack against our soil in the two decades since 9-11 is a major accomplishment. Obviously, we haven't cut, stamped out all terrorism, and that probably will prove to be impossible. So there's some good things that came out of it uh, since the days when you could just get on an airplane at the last minute and not have to go through metal detectors or any of that. We've learned a lot through all administrations, Democrat and Republican. But something's been lost as well. And on that note, I'm sure you all will be reflecting. Where were you? What were you thinking? What was your reaction? How the country has changed? How the country has changed in a positive way? In some ways, how the country has changed in a not so positive way? And with that, I wish everybody a good weekend. I'd appreciate if you would watch Media Buzz on Sunday, and it will be a very special program. Uh, and we'll be back here on Monday with more Media Buzz.